Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Entrepreneur Product Sourcing and eBiz Show, brought to you by WorldWideBrands.com. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Colette Marshall, WorldWideBrands.com Director of Marketing. For both brick and mortar and online retailers, sourcing inventory from China is a practical way to significantly cut overhead costs. But recent increases in the price of importing have many retailers concerned. Today we're talking to Peter Zapp, Vice President of Community Development for GlobalSources.com and ChinaSourcingFairs.com, about how retailers should handle the rising costs as well as what it takes to successfully import products from China. Peter, welcome to the show again. Uh, thank you. My pleasure to be here. Well, I think this is going to be a great topic today. I know a lot of people have been asking us uh, at Worldwide Brands you know, about this and how, how to take into account uh, how to take into effect all these different changes in the in the importing world. So, you know, are the costs of manufacturing in China truly going up? Yeah, no, um, they are. And let me give you some background on this, because I think if uh, people understand the background, then they can better assess uh, what the impact to them is going to be going forward, right, in the long term. So the first thing is labor costs. Uh, labor costs are going up relatively quickly in China. I think last year they went up about 12%. And that's, you know, a little bit higher than other cost areas. So if you have a labor uh, product that's labor cost intensive, you're going to see year-on-year increases. And this is pretty consistently changing um, every year. So this you can pretty much expect every year. Now, a second area that, that happened um, just this year is new labor laws. If I simplify it, what China has done is they've moved from being employer-friendly to being employee-friendly. So in the U.S., we've got at-will states that are employer-friendly. China's moved to being more employee-friendly, where it becomes a little bit more difficult to let folks go. Uh, and if folks have been with the company for a long time, you definitely have to pay them more substantial severance if you need to let them go. So those labor laws are going to increase costs as well in the uh, medium and long run. Now, a third area is the exchange rates. The exchange rate between the U.S. dollar and the renminbi has changed uh, quite substantially. So it's moved about 10% over the past year, and it looks like it's going to continue changing. So that, that's another um, impact on costs. Probably the biggest, most, or one of the biggest, most recent impacts, though, is the raw materials. I think we've all seen that, uh, whether it's steel or copper or nickel or oil, uh, raw materials prices have spiked up over the past year. So if your products have uh, expensive raw materials or raw materials where prices have gone up, that's definitely going to impact uh, underlying pricing. Now, related to that, then, is the logistics costs. Whether you ocean ship your product or you airship your product, there's a lot of oil involved to uh, to move those products. So logistics costs have been going up also. And yeah, then, it's, it's not just going up in the United States. It's going up <laughs> around the world. And that impacts your raw materials materials as well it's not well it's not just used for the you know for petrol or gas to get you know for logistics wise it's also a lot of uh, in a lot of those raw materials that are used in products that's right and then even the the movement of the raw materials because that takes um that takes oil also gas to for the trucks to move the raw mm -hmm. materials to the factory so i mean it, it impacts the entire supply chain now another interesting area is that uh, china periodically change, changes its value added tax rebate rules so Historically, uh, China has uh, provided value-added tax rebates to the manufacturers for products they export in order to promote exports. But they've been phasing these rebates out. 
So the last, uh, they, they did a big change in 2007, and that reduced uh, rebates. Then it varied by, from product category to product category, but some from 17% to 11%, some from 11% to 5%. A few more points impact there, and uh, China will probably continue phasing out those uh, value-added tax rebates. And then finally, I was talking to one, uh, one, of, one of the uh, contract manufacturers in China, and he said that he's starting to see uh, a cost impact from environmental laws being enforced more strictly. So, you know, yet another angle that's impacting costs. So there's a, a little bit of background there, but there's a number of areas that are having cost impacts, and it's really the raw materials and logistics that are kind of a sudden spike and a question on how that's going to evolve in the future. Now, but what does this mean for sourcing from China? I know, you know it's definitely impacting the cost of the manufacturing. So from an online retailer's point of view, what does it really mean for sourcing from China? Yeah, you know, we, we talked about all the costs going up, but, I mean, let's be realistic. Labor costs, factory workers probably still making um, uh, well under uh, $500 U.S. a month. So labor costs are still very, very competitive. China is still going to continue being the sourcing and manufacturing center of the world because on an absolute basis, it continues to be very, very cost competitive. Um, there are some companies that are looking at other countries for sourcing, Vietnam or India. They're calling the strategy China plus one. So you're still in China because China's the manufacturing center. It's very competitive. In addition to that, when you're evaluating whether or not you want to move manufacturing overseas, you need to look at the long term. And what that means is if you do your cost calculations and you see you're only going to get a 10% savings, you may not want to do that because that 10% savings may be gone in a year. If, you're, if you do your calculations for your overseas manufacturing and you think you're going to get a 25 30 or 40% savings, then your outsourcing, your overseas manufacturing strategy will probably be viable for a few years. And in that case, uh, you're more likely to want to continue pursuing that. So what would be some of your recommendations to be successful in sourcing from China? First thing is cost and understanding cost. But at the end of the day, the market isn't interested in just cost. It's also interested in quality. So quality is the other important area that a uh, importer or buyer needs to think about. Now, quality does show up in the press, uh, but quality is not, it's not a Chinese issue. You may remember that made in Japan, say in the uh, 60s and 70s, was once considered very low quality. Uh, then the Japanese started moving auto manufacturing to the U.S., and they were frustrated because they couldn't get good quality out of their U.S. Plant. <laughs> <laughs> so quality isn't a national issue. Um, in my view, quality is an issue, and it's tied to training. Uh, let me give you an example. I was talking to, uh, I'm not going to be very specific, but I was talking to several companies that competed with each other. And uh, they were looking at moving some pretty complex manufacturing from the U.S. to China. And uh, one company moved the manufacturing to China and then sent one person over every three months to train the China staff on basically how to do the manufacturing. Now, the interesting thing is if you moved the same manufacturing to, from New York to California, you wouldn't send just one person every three months for one week to do the training. You'd move a couple people out there full time mm -hmm. in order to ensure you're going to be successful. And in fact, um, one of their competitors uh, was doing the same thing, moved manufacturing into China. And that competitor moved about a half dozen people full time into the China manufacturing uh, facility. You know, you can guess the outcome of the story. Who was successful in getting, quote unquote, the quality that they needed 
uh, from the manufacturing. Definitely the company that used the training. Right. So in that in that case, and this is really more of an issue for uh, larger manufacturers and importers, uh, but training is the issue, and surrounding training is communication. And communication is important not just for the, the larger importers or the folks that are looking to outsource to complex manufacturing, but all the way down to the small and medium-sized retailers that are looking to import directly from China. So more sophisticated manufacturers may look at different manufacturing options, uh, including moving some of it to China. How about the smaller guys? What do they need to do to be successful? Yeah, so quality is still going to be a key issue to manage. So some things to think about when you talk to the suppliers, see if you can find ones that have export experience, especially export experience into the country uh, that you're importing into. Uh, that that at, at least they won't be surprised by your request and demand. <laughs> Document everything in your purchase order. Uh, if there's any ambiguity or confusion, you want to have specific detailed requirements in your purchase order, and that can even include uh, what you're going to inspect at the end of the process so that there's no surprises. Third, keep in mind there is a, a bit of a cultural difference, especially in China. The supplier may view the purchase order as the beginning of the negotiating process, while as Westerners, we view the purchase order as the end of the negotiating process. Uh, so you may get calls from the supplier. The supplier will uh, say, uh, I'll offer to make a change to make the product better. And you'll want to consider whether you want that change or not. Do you want better or do you want same? And in some cases, you'll flat out say, I don't want better. I want same. And then, uh, then with those proposed changes, be very clear about which ones you're accepting and which ones you're not accepting. So if there's no ambiguity or no confusion, that comes back to the communication. At the end of the process, you'll do some quality assurance. Uh, be very clear about what you want checked. Uh, have the steps clearly documented. So whether you're doing those steps or you have a third-party inspector doing those steps, they're clearly uh, documented. And then for the smaller guys, start small. You know, don't don't make your first order a huge order that's going to make or break your Christmas season. <laughs> yes. that, that's a high-risk strategy. Definitely uh, high-risk. Yeah, start with a trial order. And also sell yourself to the manufacturer. Uh, his product line may already be full. Uh, uh, there's 1.4 billion Chinese and a lot of other overseas uh, uh, buyers. So the factories, they're, um, they're full up. Uh, so you may need to uh, sell yourself to the manufacturer and say, look, I'm going to be a great customer because of this. Either you have uh, specific market knowledge, you're going to help them break into a new market, you're going to help them get uh, feedback on products from the market, uh, uh, you have expertise in a particular product category, whatever it is. Well, now, you, you know, you talked about the purchase order is different on how, uh, you know, the Chinese manufacturers may view when you do the purchase order versus the United States. What about payment? You know, a lot of new importers ask about payment and returns. How does this work with China manufacturers? Payment is typically going to be a wire transfer. So it's a bank wire transfer. And in the U.S., we don't use wire transfers quite as frequently, so we're not as familiar with the process. But it's very common. Now, of course, what that means is when you send the money, You've sent the money. It's gone. You're not going to get it back. You're going to need to discuss uh, payment terms with the manufacturer. This is always a negotiation. But what I've seen pretty frequently is you may pay 30% basically up front at time of placing the purchase order. And the reason you do this is really two reasons. One, um, the manufacturer needs some working capital or some cash up front to buy the raw materials for your order. And second, um, the suppliers have been burned hundreds of times. Uh, when they haven't gotten a payment up front, and then the buyer cancels the order. So the suppliers need to protect themselves as well. Now, the remaining 70%, you'll typically pay before product ships, probably after you've inspected them or somebody else has inspected them. So 30-70, both payments will be wire transfers. 
Historically, people, uh, larger retailers use letters of credit for the, um, the smaller folks and the newer folks, and getting much more popular is the wire transfer. It's less bureaucratic and easier to do. What about returns now? Returns is a tricky one. Uh, returns often don't happen. The biggest issue is when you try to return the product, what are you going to do? Put it on an ocean container and ship it back? <laughs> your, your cost of shipping it back is going to be so high that it's not worth returning. What most of the buyers uh, do in order to manage this risk, they do the quality control up front so that returns doesn't become an issue later. And that includes making sure your requirements are very specific and either doing quality check or having a third-party inspection agency doing the quality check on your behalf. And these are some of the things you learn when you start out small and you take it step by step and you slowly build it up. Then these are the things you actually learn this process in better ways. And, uh, you know, every supplier is a little bit different. You know, every communication is a little bit different. Like you, you said, Peter, it's best to start out small and really just build it and grow it. Don't try to do that you know, huge three container loads worth of product coming the very first time and all of a sudden you get this product that you can't do anything with. What about, you, you were talking a little bit about purchase orders. How do you figure out whether the cost you are being quoted is competitive on that purchase order? There's two ways to look at it. One, is the cost that I'm getting competitive with what other manufacturers might quote me? The other is, is the cost going to be competitive uh, when I add my markup and try to retail it. So for the second, what you want to do is you want to look at your full landed cost. So your full landed cost, that's going to include not just the product costs from the manufacturer, but it's also going to include your shipping costs. And your shipping costs are both your, uh, your ocean or air costs to get into your country and then the inland costs to get to your warehouse. And then the third component that sometimes comes in is duties, the import duties. And you want to research those ahead of time. In the U.S., the tariffs, there's tariffs on maybe approximately one-third of the product categories, and they tend to be uh, maybe 10, 15, 17%. Uh, so if there's going to be duties, that can cut into your profit margin as well. So you want to do your research, get the product cost, the shipping cost, the duties, uh, to understand your full landed cost. You know, that's very important. And once again, I kind of go go back to it because I don't think you and I can stress it enough that starting out small, you begin to kind of realize all these different costs that are involved. And when you do start out small and you get samples of products, it really helps you figure out all these landed costs that you have to deal with. Yeah, I mean, you might be surprised. Hey, you see a great price from the manufacturer, but then then after you add the shipping and, and, and the possible duties, you say, wow, the margins aren't as big as I expected. So learn first. Definitely. And and when you're thinking about the costs and how much you're spending, think also about how much time you're spending too. Um, because if you're taking on a lot of this on your own to try to quote unquote save on costs, you know, there's a lot of time involved and your time is precious and also costs money. So there's a lot of benefit in using quality control type companies who can handle your quality control so that you don't have to worry about that. Because in the long run, it impacts your landed cost. That's right. And there's also uh, trading companies and other types of intermediaries that uh, they do provide value. You know, everybody says, hey, let me go direct to the manufacturer. Um, yeah, you, you'll get a better price, but you're going to have a lot, of, lot more overhead associated with that transaction. So everybody in the supply chain has a purpose. And as an importer or a retailer, you need to figure out uh, what's best for you. So now you got the product. You got the terms, and you have a purchase order. 
What are your shipping options? Very broadly, you have two shipping options. <laughs> one, is, uh, one is air and the other is ocean. And they're completely different. Um, air is fast. You'll get the products, at least from the, when the manufacturing is completed, you'll get the products pretty fast. You know, air shipments a couple days, they'll clear customs, uh, and then a little bit of inland transportation to get them to your uh, uh, warehouse or storage facility. But it's expensive. Air shipping or over, overnight shipping in the U.S. is, you know, medium expensive. You start looking at the cost from uh, China. It's a much longer flight, a lot more gas to gas up the plane. It's not cheap. But your other choice is ocean, which is great. It's a lot less expensive, but it's a lot slower also. Uh, once you get goods on the, on the boat, it, it's on the order of, depending on if you're on a fast boat or a, a slower boat, 20 days, uh, just to get from port to port. Um, that doesn't include your manufacturing lead time, your logistics costs, time for quality control. So there is a fair amount of lead time. Now, the other thing to keep in mind is exports from China continue to grow. Uh, the containers leaving China are full. Uh, the ones coming back are often empty. So you have to book. You may have to book ahead to get uh, container space. So talk to your logistics service provider early to make sure that that space is available. Especially if you are sourcing for the holiday season. Now, when do people need to get started in order to you know, hit that holiday season? It varies quite a bit from, uh, from person to person. But if you talk to the big box retailers, uh, they've already placed their orders. Uh, they place their orders. Um, some of them are pushing it into June, July, and August, but sometimes as early as March. And that's when they're placing their orders for Christmas. So if you're looking at this Christmas, you're probably already on the late side. So if you do want to do something for Christmas, you pretty much have to start immediately. Uh, start now, uh, get samples, place orders. So with the changes in costs, if you place your order now, the cost may be lower than if you order uh, in a couple months or in several months. Definitely visiting trade shows is a great way uh, to learn fast, to see the suppliers and to meet them face-to-face, and to talk to them about the costs and how the costs are changing and increasing. Uh, but if you want to start now, there's uh, plenty of online directories available, and one of them is uh, the globalsources.com uh, website. You know, also when you were talking about the trade shows, you have a trade show coming up in October in Hong Kong, correct? Correct. We have our China sourcing fairs, and there's actually five of them. One's electronics and components, uh, gifts and home products, baby and children's products, fashion accessories, and underwear and swimwear. So covering a wide range of product categories. Uh, the chinasourcingfairs.com website provides the dates and details for each individual one. So, you know, for the small business uh, retailer out there who's really wanting to expand the business and really get into importing, now is a great time to go visit those trade shows to prepare for not this holiday season, but the following holiday season. And don't forget, there's a lot of holidays in between. You know, you got your Valentine's Day, and you know, there's uh, 4th of July. There's a lot of holidays in between that you could be actually sourcing for right now, and trade shows are a great way to go about doing that. That's right, and if folks don't want to jump in the process, put all their money in, in a first order for a quick turnaround for this Christmas season, um, now is a great time to start the process, uh, like we talked about earlier, with the small orders, getting to know the suppliers, building the relationships, so that in 6, 9, 12 months, you're really knowledgeable with the process and re- ready to really, really ramp up uh, for your business. Well, that is our time today with Peter Zaff of GlobalSources.com and ChinaSourcingFairs.com. Peter, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate it. Always my pleasure to join. Join us again next time, and thanks for listening. I'm Colette Marshall. Today's Entrepreneur Product Sourcing and eBiz show has been brought to you by WorldWideBrands.com and Entrepreneur.com. 
Join us again next week for more free eBiz education with the Internet's leading product sourcing experts.